0: The Church, in her wisdom, sets out weekly readings from the Gospels. These readings allow us to follow the life and teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ and the story of our salvation. Upper Room Media presents to you the weekly Sunday homily delivered from Sydney, Australia. Every Sunday for 50 days we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. So even tomorrow is Sunday, And Tuesday is Sunday. Wednesday is Sunday. That's what the church teaches us. Every single day of these Holy Fifty, we celebrate the resurrection and the joy of the Lord. So, there's a very nice uh, story of a conversation that happened between an Orthodox Christian and an acquaintance of his. And the guy asks the Orthodox Christian, Do you believe in God? And then the Orthodox guy replies, I eat his body and drink his blood. What do you mean? Do I believe in God? The question didn't make sense to him because of the nature of his relationship with the Lord. I eat his body and I drink his blood. What do you mean? Do I believe in him? Of course. I believe in him, I know him. And when we come to the liturgy like we have today, we all share in the prayers and the hymns, and we have our hearts lifted to God. But there does come a climax in our liturgical service, where we physically eat the flesh and drink the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And today's reading comes to us from the Gospel of John chapter 6. And in chapter 6, this is the gospel that we, as the Orthodox Christians, this is our go-to chapter whenever we speak about the Eucharist or Holy Communion. The Lord today said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life, Jesus said about himself. This is very interesting. So a bit of trivia. This is really easy trivia. I was actually asked this trivia when I went to Israel. Because they couldn't believe my name was Anthony. They thought I had changed it, thought I was from a different religious background. Especially when they knew my dad's name was Hatim and then my grandpa's name was Habib. So then they quizzed me and they're like, where was Jesus born? Are you really here to see the holy sites and all that? So I won't ask you that question because it's, you know, like you know the answer. obviously he was born in Bethlehem. I'm glad to say I got that answer right. But this is a bit of language trivia. Does anyone know what Bethlehem is in Hebrew? House of bread. Yeah, house of bread. Exactly. We deserve, like, that's a round of applause, I think. I don't know if we do that in church. I'm still a new priest, but anyway, he deserves one. <laughs> Bethlehem means house of bread. It is Bethlehem, house of bread. And Jesus said today, I am the bread of life. And he was born in the house of bread. It's not a coincidence that the bread of life was born in the house of bread. Does anyone know what Bethlehem is in Arabic? Beit Lah. That means house of meat. So in Arabic, Jesus was born in the house of meat. And in, and in chapter 6 that we read from today, Jesus says, My flesh, my flesh is food. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. So Jesus in Hebrew was born in the house of bread and he said, I am the bread of life. Jesus in Arabic was born in the house of meat and he said, my flesh is food. He is both bread and flesh. And although this may sound very strange and difficult to accept for people outside of the church, that we physically eat the flesh of and drink the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is the basic belief of our Orthodox Church. When we have Holy Communion, we partake of the true body, And we partake of the true blood of Jesus Christ from the altar. It is not a symbol. It's not a nice tradition. But we in fact eat his body and we drink his blood. Something I love about the church is the Christ-centeredness of our worship. The church is so centered on Christ that we don't even look at each other during the worship. We are all facing the altar where the Eucharist is. Everybody faces that way. Why don't we face each other? Quite simply, we are not each other's audience. We are not each other's audience. Our audience is God. He is the one whom we seek. He is the one that we seek. And one of the beauties of the Orthodox Church is that you never need to advertise for people to come to church. No matter what country there is in Orthodox Church, people will flock to church to have Holy Communion. You never need to make a fancy poster saying, you know, we're going to have special food after the service, come You never need to say we're going to have a VIP speaker come. Make sure you come to church, you know, this morning or tonight. There's no advertising done. You say there is a liturgy and people will go. If it's 5 a.m., people will wake up and flock to church. If it's 9 a.m., people will come. If it's a 5 p.m. service and people need a fast during the day, they'll still come. No posters, no advertising. You say there's a mass, there's a liturgy, people come. And it's this strength that exists in the church, that we have the body and blood of Jesus on the altar, that is so central to our worship. And there's many ways that we can identify what the early church thought of Holy Communion when we look at history. This is an interesting point. Any church that has its beginning in the first century and was established by an Apostle of Jesus Christ, which was appointed, you see in the Gospel, Jesus appointed his Apostles, any church that began in the first century and was started by an Apostle, until today believes that the Eucharist is the true body of Christ. So for example, for over 1,500 years, over 1,500 years, 1,500, for over that amount of time, we have had nothing to do with the Roman Catholic Church. We have really had nothing to do with the Eastern Orthodox Church either, like the Russian Church, the Serbian Church, for example. And yet, if you today in 2023 go to one of those churches which we've had nothing to do with for over 1,500 years, they will still say it is the body and blood of Christ. And it's like that. Even with baptism, you'll find they have baptism You walk into their church, you'll find an altar. You walk into their church, you'll find bishop, priests, deacons. So in a way, it's funny. It's ironic that our division over all of these years has actually pointed to the authenticity of our faith. Because if we've had nothing to do with all of these churches for 1500 years, and yet we all still believe the same thing in 2023, what does that mean? Except that that was the ancient faith. That is what we believed in the beginning. When we look at the ancient writings, what did they say about Holy Communion? So St. John Chrysostom, they call him the Golden Mouth. He had a lot of beautiful things to say. He lived in the 300s AD. This is what he said all that time ago. How many of you say, I should like to see his face, his garments, his shoes? He's saying, how many of us would like to say, would love to see the face of Jesus? He goes on and says, you do see him, you touch him, you eat him. He gives himself to you, not only that you may see him, but also to be your food and nourishment. Saint Ignatius of Antioch. He lived in the 100's AD, very early in the church history. And just to give you an idea of who Saint Ignatius of Antioch is, the patron saint of this church is Saint John. The Saint John that this church is named after is not Saint John, not saint John the Baptist, but Saint John the Beloved, who rested his head on the chest of Christ. This is how early this writing is from, St. Ignatius was known to be his disciple. So St. John taught St. Ignatius. What does St. Ignatius say? He wrote the following. The Eucharist is flesh of our Saviour Jesus Christ, flesh which suffered for our sins, and which the Father in His goodness raised up again. He wrote simply and clearly, the Eucharist is flesh of our Saviour Jesus Christ, flesh which suffered for our sins and which the Father in His goodness raised up again. In the 2nd century, there was a guy called St. Justin Martin. He was a defender of the faith. Listen to what he said. This food we call the Eucharist, of which no one is allowed to partake, except one who believes that the things we teach are true and has received the washing, holy baptism for forgiveness of sins and for rebirth, the food consecrated by the word of prayer is the flesh and blood of that incarnate Jesus. Second century is the flesh and blood of that incarnate Jesus. I don't know if there's enough time, but there's a really good one. I don't know. I get confused with timing. Alright, I'll just tell you, I, I have to tell you because it's too good. <laughs> there, was, there was a Russian Orthodox priest. He went on this talk show, he was being interviewed, you know, by someone in the Western world. And he was talking to them about the Eucharist. And this is what he said, I'll read it to you. So this is the Russian priest on the interview show, this is what He said, Let's go back to the early church. Let's go back to the earliest we can go. Let's go back to some of the scribes and historians during the first and second century when they were persecuting Christians for their faith, killing them. There's a written document, several, in the archives of Rome where they actually sent spies into the Christian gatherings to see what was going on. It's interesting the report they brought back. So just to give a bit of context... Christianity sort of emerged in the Roman Empire as this new to people it was like a cult, you know, to the Romans it was like a cult, what is this new thing these followers of Jesus of Nazareth? And so the Romans want to know what's going on in their empire. So what they used to do is they used to send spies into the Christian gatherings to know what's going on. They want to know what's going to happen. Is there anything that we should be, you know, aware of? And this is the report that's in the archive of Rome. This is the report that was brought back. These Christians, they sit around in a circle, croaking out their sins where everybody could hear. And then, like cannibals, they eat and drink the flesh and blood of their leader. The first part, he says, these Christians sit around in a circle croaking out their sins where everyone could hear. This tells you how hard confession was in the early church. Confession was in front of everyone. That's like me standing here and being, okay, I'm ready for confession. And I just spit it out on the mic. And then the report says, like cannibals, they eat and drink the flesh and blood of their leader. So that's just a few examples of how the early church viewed the Eucharist. What's the implication of this for us? Jesus said, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. He who eats my flesh, drinks my blood, abides in me and I in him. So what does that tell us about the Christian life? What is the Christian life all about? Is it just study my words? Read the Bible. Just study my words. That's good. But he's talking about something more than that. Does it have good morals? Make sure your children grow up with good morals as well. And that's why we bring them to church. That's good. But he's talking about something more than that. Go to church. It's more than that. Say your prayers in the morning and say your prayers in the evening. That's good. But he's talking about something much more than that. In Christianity, we don't have this distance where we look to Jesus as our moral guide and our teacher and we're just his students and we try to copy what he does. That's not Christianity. It's not about having a teacher that we are distant from. We are with Him. And He is with us. We are in Him. And He is in us. Jesus says something very nice. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The only possible way for a branch to live if it is in the vine. All the juice comes from the vine into the branch. We are physically connected to Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. Our life comes from Him. We are not students trying to learn the ways of Jesus. Father Paul, a priest, he put it this way. Jesus wants to live His life in you. His his actual life, he wants to live in you. So it's not teacher disciple distance, it is we become a vessel, a physical vehicle, which Jesus lives his life in us. Jesus wants to live his life in you and I today in the world. That's not distant. May we approach communion with an internal revival that I want to partake of you, God. I want you to live your life in me, in the world today. And we come because we need him. Remember, he is the vine, we are the branches. Any branch that's not connected to the vine, it withers away. We come to him, we need him, we want him. I can't live without him. None of us can live without the Lord Jesus. We are very blessed to have his holy body and precious blood, which gives life to all of us and connects us all together. Glory be to God forever. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart, and we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.